0: Hi, creative. It's Lauren here, and I wanted to ask you a quick favor. If you like this show and it has helped you, please remember to rate, review, and follow it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Also consider sharing the show on your Instagram stories or Twitter. Tag the guests at Unleash Your Inner Creative and at Lauren LaGrasso, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. And now let's get to the creative chat. Do you ever feel like your dreams are just slipping through your fingers? Maybe you work for your passion your whole life and you haven't been able to reach it. Maybe it was a dream come true and you actually had it for a moment and then it was taken away just as suddenly as it came to you. If you've listened to this show before, this Experience is what I call creative heartbreak when you're either so close to something and you almost have it and then the rug gets ripped from under you or you have it and it gets taken away. That pain you feel when the thing you want the most in life suddenly eludes you and you either have to redefine and find a new way forward or take a break from that thing and decide what your why is. This is such a common experience among us creatives because we're such deep feelers and we go after the things that we love. We're in the arena. So this week, I wanted to revisit a conversation that is one of my favorite ones I've ever had on the show and in life that really addresses creative heartbreak and gives tools to get through it. I decided to replay an episode this week because number one, I think it's highly valuable content. Number two, I was in Atlanta this week, kind of taking in the creative landscape there, having meetings, and I wanted to give myself and my dear Emily some time to have a little bit of space, so sharing this show with you so that we can, you know, creatively revive ourselves, which is just as important a part of the process as creation is. It's an episode and a message that has always stuck with me and many of my listeners. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, I go back to this one like every four months because It's just that valuable. If you haven't experienced creative heartbreak, just know, I mean, and I kind of have a hard time believing that, but if you haven't, just know that there are tools here for you to help you overcome it if one day you ever experience it. I had this extremely vulnerable conversation with hit singer-songwriter Greg Holden about two years ago. It's still one of my very favorites. So even if you've listened to it, I can't stress enough that it's worth a re-listen. If you've never heard it, it's a must-listen. So here it is. A Best of Unleash episode with Greg. Greg Holden is a singer-songwriter and musical artist best known for writing the hit song Home by Philip Phillips and for his song The Lost Boy, which was featured prominently on the hit show Sons of Anarchy. Greg grew up in the UK in a household where creativity and dreams were not encouraged. Thus, he didn't discover his passion until the age of 18, when he finally picked up a guitar. It wasn't long after that initial spark of passion that he started writing music and pursuing his dreams full-on. In 2009, he moved to New York City to pursue becoming a full-time songwriter and touring artist. Since then, he's traveled the world, performing for thousands of people, and he's written songs for multiple artists, selling up to 6 million records. In 2016, he moved to Los Angeles to nurture his songwriting and production career. However, shortly after moving here, he had a creative heartbreak. But nevertheless, he pulled himself up, became his own champion, and started writing and producing his own work.
1: My only tip that I ever give people is just be true to you. Because if you you try something and you don't make it, and that whole time you've been pretending to be somebody else, that's really a horrible scenario to be in. At least if you don't succeed... And you've been yourself. You can sleep at night. And if you succeed doing your own thing, is the best feeling in the world.
0: Greg's album, World War Me, released late last month. The songs are soulful, honest, and often gut-wrenching. My favorite is called I'm Not Your Enemy, which I was so inspired by that I did a little cover of with my friend Liz Full, who creates the music for this show. And you'll hear it at the very end of the show, so stay tuned. Greg and I sat down to chat in early March at his beautiful Home in the Hills. He was even kind enough to let my dad, who was visiting from Michigan at the time, tag along and listen to our interview. I wanted to share Greg with you because, simply put, he is the truth. Talking with him and watching him sing is like a masterclass in vulnerability. He makes me want to be braver, to speak out loud about the parts of life that hurt and scare us so that we'll no longer be ruled by them. From our chat, you'll learn how to overcome creative heartbreak, Why it's so important to do work that reflects who you are, how to stay present, the importance of therapy for a creative, and the benefits of getting a late start to your creative life. Now here he is, Greg Holden. So I usually start with a series of standard questions, but with you, I think you've got such an interesting story and you're so vulnerable about your creative process and the things that have been painful for you. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I read that struck me was you've been living in New York for a number of years, doing music very successfully, and then you moved to LA to be with your major label, and pretty much promptly upon landing, they dropped you. Yeah. And so you went through a soul-searching moment after that, obviously. Still in it. Still in it. But I'm wondering, because there's so many people who do encounter that kind of creative heartbreak. When you're going through that kind of creative heartbreak, how do you get through it? What's your tips to other people? And kind of, can you walk me through your process of how you have healed and are healing from that?
1: Yeah. I think, I think signing to a major label was always something that I tried to avoid because I knew what would happen. You know, I thought I have good instincts and I know I sort of see what goes on around me and I'm able to make judgments based on that. And, uh, then this opportunity came up that I couldn't really refuse. I'd made this record that I really was in love with. I'd spent a lot of my own money on it. And I kind of wanted that money back. And I got an opportunity by signing to Warner Brothers to do that. Um, and then I was sort of thrown into this hype machine. Everybody was, you know, singing my praises in, in the label, telling me I was going to be the next big thing. And even though I'm, I know that that's, that's like the bullshit side of it, I did fall for it a little bit. You know, you can't help but get sucked in when, all these executives and all these people that you admire are telling you all these great things about yourself. So you get sucked into it. Not that I lost myself, but I definitely was like, started to believe the hype. And so I had this, you know, two or three year relationship with Warner brothers, the record came out, whatever happened happened. And then I think the brutal honesty, the brutal truth of it is that the record didn't sell as well as everybody was hoping. And I I got dropped. Um, and that's what happens and i knew that's what ha- i already knew that that's how, that's how it worked um so i wasn't i wasn't necessarily shocked but i i was shocked at how i responded to it i was kind of really sad about it you know because i'd had all this momentum i was touring a lot they were they were giving me money to go on the road with my band which was really such a great help and then that was gone and i felt kind of abandoned um and then i was sort of had a really hard time restarting everything. I was like, do I even want to make music anymore? Do I can I go on the road solo acoustic again like after being with my band for so long? Like how how do I recover from this? And honestly, I'm still in that process. And that's one of the reasons why I made this album was to prove to myself that I was capable of it because I felt my confidence was so shattered after that experience that I needed to scare the crap out of myself and make this album. Um and it was a really hard process because I, I always suffer with insecurity and self doubt, and I knew that that would be the only way to get over it. If I went and made another record with a big producer, which I almost did, I almost made it with um, this record with Butch Walker. I mean, Butch is awesome, but he's a very, very great and expensive producer. And I was like, I sort of took a look at the the climate of being a songwriter these days and an artist, and the the amount of money that comes in through sales. And I was like. Yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna work. <laughs> and I already had all this gear here in my studio, so I was yeah. thought this is a great time to challenge myself.
0: There's a, a lot there. I didn't really answer your question. No, but that is though. that was an amazing <laughs> answer. I mean, I want to I do want to know like what you did in the immediate aftershock of what happened because I think I I read something online and I I watched a few interviews with you and you talked about googling yourself.
1: Oh yeah, that was can, recently. Can,
0: can you talk about well, I that I think process? I went through a
1: crisis of like, who am I? What do I do? And uh, what's my purpose? <laughs> and I sort of... Um, in
0: that voice. In that voice. <laughs> always,
1: always. And that's how it sounds inside my head. Um, and I just, I wanted to like take stock of where I was at and make myself either feel better or worse. But I, yeah, I started just Googling my achievements and looking on YouTube at old videos and, you know, these arenas that I've played and these cool interviews that I've done and, I went through this week or so of just reassuring myself that I was on the right path. Um, and I still am on that path. <laughs> so, did I answer your question? I keep forgetting the question. No, I think that you
0: answered it. No, you, because you, you told in the interview I watched, you said you saw what the through line of all of your major successes were. Oh,
1: yeah, right. Okay.
0: And it was that everything that you had done that was great. Had helped people. And it was all those big successes. You weren't trying to do that, but that was just kind of what the thesis statement was. Yeah. And so it's in this album, what I was so struck by, I called it Music for a Positive Change. You made this music that all you're dealing with heavy shit. I mean, it's like heavy, the concepts that you're dealing with. Yeah. But it's how can we take the most optimistic (laughs) viewpoint on? these really heavy aspects of life, yeah, which I thought was interesting. But you talked about self-doubt and I think that's something that all creatives deal with. How do you get through self-doubt and what are your tips for other people who are in the thick of
1: that? Perseverance. Sort of giving myself no other option. I mean, I've dedicated 10 years of my life, 15 years of my life to this. And really, I I have to sort of tell myself, what what am I actually going to do if I quit this? Like, if I stop doing this, where where do I go? Is, I don't know if I have any other options. And the only way I really get through self-doubt is by pushing through it. There's no way to just, like, remedy it. You can't just, like, take a pill or drink a bottle of whiskey.
0: That'd be great if like, that was all it took. Be also, I
1: try, <laughs> but, you know. But, uh, I, you know, I think that the only way to really get through self-doubt is by pushing through it and then... You know, coming out the other side, having achieved something, and then believe, and then fi- figuring out how to believe that you did it, right? Which I'm l- literally in the throes of right now. You know, that album was a big challenge for me, and one of the reasons it's called World War Me is because, almost like half the songs are just about me struggling with myself.
0: Yeah, and your own personal fight club. Yeah,
1: right. I, my last record was a lot about other people, and I've I've tended to write songs about other people to escape having to write about myself. Um, and this record was a bit more about like looking internally and realizing, oh shit, it's a mess in there. <laughs> well,
0: right. I mean, I think that that's such an interesting thing that you just talked about. Cause I think that's something that I definitely have done in my creative journey too. I'm also a songwriter right. and I do this. And when I first started doing even radio, I was always like, I gotta be a personality. Yeah. And then it's like, well, n- no,
1: not if it's not who you yeah, are. Yeah,
0: People want to connect and they want the truth. Yeah. And also by focusing on those outside things, by focusing on other people, by focusing on what you think you should be, you're actually not as successful as you would be if you just laid it all out there. For sure. And you don't help anyone.
1: And that was one of the problems with being signed to a major label is that when I got signed, they're like, we just want you to be who you are and be yourself and we love your album. We just love kidding. everything. Just, and then it's like, just <laughs> kidding. I don't like any of these new songs. Like, write bigger songs, write more hits. What and does that like,
0: even mean though, write bigger songs? Like, well, that's the
1: thing. That's the joke of this whole business is like, nobody actually knows what a hit looks like until it's a hit and mm-hmm. they're, they're all different. Like, I mean, I wrote that home home song from Philip Phillips and I, when I walked out of the studio that day, I didn't think it was any good. You know, and it just became a hit on American Idol, which... If you listen to that song and then listen to the history of American Idol singles, you're kind of like, what?
0: Yeah. It, where, I how, where does that
1: sit? But, it's such
0: a departure. It really yeah. is. Now, when you wrote that song, though, I read that you originally wrote it for yourself. Is that true?
1: Uh, It's not totally true. Okay. Uh, I, we just wrote it to write it. Okay. We didn't really have any plan for it. And then I was actually going on tour that, sum- that summer. And I put my set list together and was like, my God, this is a depressing show. I need some more uplifting songs, and I had "Home" in, you know, in the bag. So I was like, "Ah, fuck it, I'll play that one." And then it was at the end of that tour that it got picked up for American Idol.
0: It's so interesting because I've heard that song a million times, as we all have. And then I was doing my research for you last night, and I saw an acoustic performance of you doing that song,
1: mm-hmm. and on tour, on tour, uh, yeah.
0: And I mean, I, I I like the song; it's good. But when I heard you doing it, I was brought to tears. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you have such an honesty. Well, because it was
1: about someone in my life that was suicidal, you know. So that song is about something very personal to me. So I probably sell it a little harder than Philip Phillips,
0: right? And I think you sing with more vulnerability as well.
1: Well, because it's my story, right? Yeah.
0: But do you ever think about? Because that's something I've thought about a lot. I never have had a hit song, so I, I don't okay. know that. I don't know that lifestyle. It's but. overrated. <laughs> But do you ever wonder what would have happened if you'd kept it for yourself?
1: Yeah, I would not be living in this house.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. And I would probably be really struggling. Because, you know, as much as I hate those reality TV shows, that show gave that song a platform that I would not have been able to give it. So, no, I've, I get asked that a lot. Like, do you regret letting Philip Phillips have that song? And the answer is no. No way.
0: Thank you very much, Peacequare.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just, <laughs> it, it's been such a... a a blessing in my life because it's allowed me to uh keep my integrity and make music that I care about without freaking out worrying how I'm going to pay the bills, you mm-hmm. know. So it's been a blessing in that sense and it changed it changed my life in so many positive ways. I don't regret it at all. I think he does a great job of it. I think that was a really cool experience for me to go through. To be behind the scenes actually was pretty cool. I wasn't the one waking up at 5 a.m. to do to sing it on the radio every single day, you know. Right. Which I was quite grateful for.
0: <laughs> when you are behind the scenes, like, what's your approach to that? Because I think it's hard because you're you're kind of wearing a lot of different hats, especially right now. What's the difference in your approach to that kind of creative process versus when you are the artist?
1: It's definitely a, a blurred line. It's hard to tell because I I do think like an artist and I sing like an artist. And when I'm writing the song, I'm I'm writing it in in the way that I would sing it. So therefore, I think I'm sometimes a little limited, and it's that's why it's nice to collaborate with people. And lyrically, it's hard for me to disconnect and just think. you know, oh, this pers- this artist in the room here is this is for them, so let me disconnect from that and think about what they they would want to say. Cause it's hard for me to do because I don't have a lot of practice in that. I'm constantly battling with that line actually of, of where I'm the artist or am I the writer? It's it's different in every scenario.
0: How's the battle going right now?
1: It's uh it's constant <laughs> i find life is just one constant battle actually yeah
0: life is ceaseless effort yeah that's what i always really say is. yeah like if you think it's gonna get easy
1: sorry yeah you're so wrong it's, it's okay mistaken. though
0: there's a lot of beauty in it
1: and there's a lot to be learned yes as long as you see it that way
0: absolutely i want don't to-
1: like play the victim card you know you've got to like be the hero realize that everybody is going through something and that we just have to keep persevering
0: that's very true and I want to talk a little bit about your writing, because you didn't pick up a guitar until you were 18, right? Correct. So, I mean, that's not... I'm only
1: 20 now.
0: Yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so youthful. Must be nice. <laughs>
1: it's been a long two years.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, obviously that's still super young, but in the scheme of like starting music, that's a pretty late, late start. It's quite late, actually.
1: Yeah, I found myself always feeling a little older than everybody else, <laughs> just in, you know, in certain scenes. Like so, I am a little late to the game.
0: I mean, but I think that's kind of cool because you probably had a different perspective and a different appreciation for it because you didn't grow up doing this thing. You yeah, discovered it wasn't like it I want to be
1: a musician yeah. my whole life. It was sort of a, something that came to me when I needed it the most.
0: Right, a light bulb moment. First of all, like what was your process of kind of discovering that passion? And second, what would be your advice to other late bloomers on how to kind of traverse that road? Because I think sometimes when you're a late bloomer, you feel like an imposter for a while.
1: Yeah. F- and how for do you real, shed yeah. that? Well, my process sort of was i saw a, a, i was working in a bar in my hometown and didn't really know i mean at 18 nobody knows where life's going but i didn't you know i had i didn't really have any like aspirations or anything and i saw this guy playing guitar in a bar one night and he was singing his songs and all the girls were looking at him
0: <laughs> isn't <laughs> I, that how it always and starts
1: i need to know i wasn't a popular kid when I, when I was growing up and i was bullied a lot and i sort of i don't know i had this moment where I, it just seemed like a good idea so i I went up to him after the show and was like, can you teach me to play guitar? And he did. He taught me like three chords. And then it just became, it came very naturally to me. So I just started playing, started playing in punk bands and writing songs. And that was a good outlet for me, you know, because I had a lot of anger as a child. And writing songs was this way that I could get out that anger without smashing things.
0: That's a good, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Smash guitar if you have to, which you yeah. did in one of your recent videos. I did, yeah. I got sad. I get sad every time I see we, a guitar that, smashed. We, still, like,
1: we found it in like a trash Oh, okay. Heap All right. I'm that.
0: less sad yeah. now. So It wasn't a cherished no. item. You did, I, I watched another interview where you talked about feeling like you weren't heard as a child. And so I think it's really interesting, like when we don't grow up with a culture of encouragement and creativity within our family unit and our friend unit, I think it's harder to develop that as we get older.
1: For sure.
0: How, what has your process of that been like and how have you built yourself up because you didn't have that foundation?
1: Wow. The timing of this interview is just crazy. I, I, uh, I'm going through that hugely right now in my life still, but yeah, as a child, I was sort of told, you're never going to amount to anything and, you know, don't even try what's the point? And, you know, I look back now and I have compassion for my parents. You know, I I see that they were struggling too. And that's just, that was their way of trying to protect me from disappointment probably. But for me, I've always been a more naturally optimistic person and driven person, which is why I live 7,000 miles away from my hometown now. But it's just a constant, again, with a constant battle, it's just, I'm always trying to figure out how to continuously believe in myself and also when I have achieved things in my life you have to learn how to congratulate yourself too because that's another problem that I run into is when I succeed I actually feel guilty which is strange.
0: Mm. Can you walk me through that? Like how, how do you congratulate yourself and get over that inclination toward guilt?
1: I'm still figuring that one out. Yeah, I was just in therapy like two hours ago. So I <laughs> feel like I'm in sorry therapy that you're again getting right it now. It again. No, I
0: know. It's tough. It's a lot. Like, I feel like the creative process and uncovering yourself as a creative is a lot like therapy. Yeah. I'm in therapy too, by the way. Right. It's my favorite thing I've ever yeah. done in my
1: life. It's not mine.
0: I love Jessica. Oh. That's my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's hard in the beginning. You know I'm what British.
1: I'm not supposed to do therapy. Oh. I'm supposed to just. Well, I'm b- Italian. It I'm up up not and...
0: supposed to either. Yeah. But hey. <laughs> My poor dad and my parents, are, my dad's in the room right now. And he's, uh, I told my parents when I was 15, I'm like, I think I need to go to therapy, ma'am. like, really? I'm from Michigan. So that's how we talk there. Right. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not culturally acceptable, but I commend you so much for going through that yeah, process. It's, it's been been like a resetting a journey. bone.
1: Yeah. It's been a huge journey.
0: Yeah. It's tough. So I know you're, you're doing double duty today. <laughs> <laughs> We can get it a little lighter, maybe. No, no, it's so good. It's just, it's talk. It's me neither. I always jumping right to like. So tell me about your child.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, get ready.
0: (laughs) But I think so many people do deal with that early childhood programming and trying to figure out how to rewire their brain. Yeah, and it's a constant process. And I appreciate that you're talking openly and honestly about
1: how difficult it still is. Well, it's important to do that because you know, I wish when I was going through it, oh you know as i do go through it right now it's helpful when i hear that someone else is going through it you, you can relate yeah and it's it's actually helpful to hear when someone else is going through it so I, that's why i've always been transparent with any pain that i'm going through because if nothing else someone might hear it and be like thank god i'm not the only one
0: right your bio's hilarious by the way like oh, it's so great you wrote it yourself I right did, yeah so you're pretty <laughs> self-deprecating in it which is great but i wonder too it's like trying to find a balance i was just gonna ask you that like how do you walk the line between being self-deprecating and now you're veering into mental violence by
1: going too far and then realizing that everyone feels uncomfortable (laughs) do you have an example of that no i've just like learned through the years that like a little bit of self-deprecation is funny too much of it is dark and i've watched people do it. like i've watched people from the audience when they're doing it on stage and it it makes me uncomfortable and I'm like, oh crap, that's what I do. So I've sort of become more aware of it on stage. I mean, I'm there to like sell myself on stage and convince people that I'm so great that they should come back to my shows. And if I'm talking shit about myself the whole time, right? they might believe me. Right. You know, they might be like, well, this guy doesn't even believe in himself. Why should I believe in him?
0: Right. I mean, that's a, a great thing for anyone listening to remember. You do have to be your own ally.
1: And eventually, the, if you talk enough shit about yourself... You start to believe it yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oops, I've done some serious damage to myself by using self-deprecation as a defense mechanism. And it, I think that, that there's a balance again. How are you getting with the balance? This is the topic of, the, of this podcast right now, isn't it? Balance.
0: Balance. I think that's a topic of life. It's fighting for that. And I think as creative people, we're not always prone to balance. Yeah. We're prone to extremes. Yeah. So it's like, how do we get to that middle line? And something I've struggled with, I'll be honest with you, is like, How do I feel comfortable in that gray area? How can I make myself know that that's still an appropriate feeling? Like when I'm not in like extreme anguish or extreme joy, that feeling balanced is cool. Have you struggled with that? to exist there. Yeah. Like how, how do you, how are you working on figuring out how to exist in that gray? Wine. Wine?
1: (laughs) Wine is my best (laughs) friend. That's a good tip. (laughs) Wine helps me keep balanced. Yeah. And that's not a good thing. Antioxidants. I mean... (laughs) It's no, supposed I to just, be good for your brain. I meditate a lot, and I any do, particular I do, kind of meditation? yoga. I just do single pointed meditation. What's that? It's where you focus on one thing. And I just use my breath, and okay. you just sit there. And when thoughts come in, you let them float by. You don't pay them any attention, and you just keep breathing. Uh, I do that. I do a lot of yoga, and I drink way too much wine. But you know, that's the way I keep balanced these days. Right. Travel travel helps me feel balanced. If I stay home too long, I get really – uh, I get cabin fever.
0: Speaking of staying home, I saw a really beautiful post on your Instagram about your American journey. Oh, yeah. So you've been here 10 years now?
1: 10 years, yeah.
0: And you talked about the intense emotion of basically like purposely displacing yourself for a dream. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of people right now who are sitting somewhere that is their home base and they'd like to do what you did to mm-hmm. – leave the home base and pursue what's on their heart. What would be your advice to those people and what have been your top struggles and how have you overcome them?
1: I think that any motion is forward motion. And I think if you sit still, but you have this feeling that you need to move, then you're going to just rot inside. And, you you know, I think that it's scary to take a leap of faith, but you can also take steps one at a time. You don't have to you don't have to do what I did and just like sell everything and move to a different continent.
0: It does help sometimes, though. But
1: sometimes it's nice to do that. Mm-hmm. like it, And don't it,
0: think too much about it.
1: No, I th- I think that what I've learned over the last 10 years is that life is, I mean, this is going to sound so cliche, but life is really short. It goes very quickly. And that it's not that hard to make a change. It's scary, but it's not hard. And if you throw yourself into something, it will work out. It might not work out the way that you imagined it, but it will work out as long as you have a good attitude. And you don't need all this money. You don't need all this fame. You don't need all this recognition from anyone. And actually, I can contest personally that the more of that you receive, the more complicated everything gets. So I think that my advice would just be take the leap of faith. And, and, you know, worst case scenario is you go back. But usually you don't.
0: No. You'll figure it out. Yeah. There's always a way.
1: It just, the universe will help you. If you put yourself out there into an environment that's vulnerable but for something that is ultimately going to be positive, then the universe will help you out. I truly believe that.
0: What's an example of that in your life?
1: My entire life, like (laughs) moving to New York, it all just worked out, you know, and when I was broke on tour in Europe and I was very concerned about how i was going to keep making music but i let the universe handle it and i didn't stress too much i got handed a hit song right when i needed it the most and you know i was actually uh, on my 30th birthday i was in india (laughs) this is gonna sound ridiculous i was meditating at the dalai lama's temple that's amazing (laughs) into my going, going into my 30th birthday it'd been a dream of mine for a long time to do that i don't know why but there i was in the himalayas meditating into my 30th birthday and i got robbed and uh got my backpack stolen with my passport, my camera, my wallet, my ID, everything. And I was standing in the middle of the Himalayas with no ID. <laughs> just like, fuck. So I just sort of, I meditated and I relaxed and I was like, okay, what's happening? I'm in India. This is, that's, that's cool. Uh, I'm I, I just fulfilled a dream. Okay, that's cool. And I started relaxing and trying to just let go of the fear of what was going on and my passport showed up like the police found my passport and I ended up making it home you know and i don't know i think just letting the universe do its thing is underrated
0: that's powerful plus it's
1: ex- it's exciting at least if you don't know what's <laughs> going to happen then that's that's fun
0: yeah we it's never planning everything we out really know what's going even if we plan
1: if we plan it do- it, it doesn't it doesn't work out it never <laughs> works out and if it does you don't appreciate it anyway or at least I'll I'll say that from personal experience.
0: Because you're trying so hard. I call it clutching your fate. Yeah. You're trying so hard to make sure everything that you want to happen happens. And that,
1: society teaches us that. Yeah.
0: But then you miss life. Yeah. And that's what, what I love about this new album that you're putting out is it's about all those moments in between. Yeah. I always say, I mean, I do like love songs. They're great. Don't get me wrong. But not enough people are like you in writing about those in-between moments in life and writing about those deep pains, but having a different take on them. Yeah. Like, I am not your enemy. Okay, let's talk about this one. It's so brilliant because to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that song is a love song to the people that it would be easy to think hate you and to hate in return. Correct. Talk me through the process of writing that song and what it's all about.
1: So that song was written the day after Donald Trump was elected president. Me and my friend Garrison Starr were in Germany on tour, and we woke up to the news, and Garrison is a lesbian, and I'm an immigrant, and so we both felt, well, we just were pretty devastated anyway for for, for multiple reasons, but we both felt a little bit attacked all of a sudden. I mean, I, let's not pretend I'm, I'm a white man, like what... <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you're not that much.
1: I I couldn't be in a better situation in on planet Earth, you know. And that sucks that that's the case. But I haven't got much ground to stand on. But Garrison, you know, she is a lesbian living in America, and she felt incredibly rejected from her country. And so we sat there in this green room in Germany, and we were like, we don't want to write the "fuck you" song right now. We don't want to. We don't want to channel even more hate than that's than what's already going around. So we decided to write something that sort of said to the this you know this imaginary enemy that doesn't really exist like we're not we're not so different we're not your enemy we we are we all kind of want the same thing why can't we see that and that's sort of why we wrote that and we played we wrote it that day and we ended up playing it in the stadium that same night
0: to ten thousand people right it's so powerful it was
1: cool it was a really cool moment
0: I just think it is such a great take because we've seen a lot of anger and a lot of hate and a lot of divisiveness. But honestly, that's not what's going to change anything or move anything it's forward. Not, it's not going to make it worse. Only if we can start seeing that we're all just mirrors for each other, yeah. which is what that song so brilliantly does. I love the lyrics. I'm not your enemy. I'm just an unfamiliar friend. And you have a line in there that says something about um, you might not remember me from. Is it? You befo- might
1: not recognize he- me from before the war began. Thank you.
0: Yeah, come on. That is so good. I mean, it's just... I mean, I don't
1: know if you know, but I'm super talented.
0: <laughs> I No, it, believe me, it's blatantly clear. Like, I'm telling you, I don't usually fangirl out over the people I'm interviewing, but there's something that's so special about you. And I think that this album really has the power to change hearts and minds. Thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, how? because now you're in the process of you're going to be starting to promote it. hmm so, how are you living between like the joy and the love of creating this new baby and having to be a part of the promotional machine that is part of any independent creative's life in 2019?
1: Well, as usually it goes, you know, I finished recording this album like a year ago, mm-hmm. so I've had time to sort of process it and think about what it is. And I've been busy doing my own, I do my own artwork and stuff too, so I've been busy just
0: like painting.
1: No, like I do the album, the album artwork and stuff. Oh wow! So I've been busy doing that and doing the getting all the graphics ready and merch, because there's a tour coming, I'm about to go out on the road, so I've been distracted doing all that stuff. But now the promo, yeah, the promo aspect is is a complicated one, because, uh, you know, the industry's changing dramatically, and promo is getting more and more <laughs> difficult, actually, because now it's all about, there is so much music coming out, 40,000 songs a week come out on Spotify. Wow. You know, the only way to really stand out these days is to, like, do something Insanely dramatic, and I'm not that. I'm not that kind of artist. So I don't. You know, I'm. I'm struggling to promote, but I'm trying my best. Should have just made like the front cover, like a picture of my dick. Or something. Yeah,
0: I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah or maybe like go hula hooping on Hollywood yeah. Boulevard and sing the album while it. Exa- yeah, exactly. Might not be a terrible idea. <laughs>
1: yeah, but we're living in this age where you have to be absolutely ridiculous and outrageous to even be listened to. But isn't exhausting? Because it, how far is that going to go?
0: I almost feel like in this age, though, the most outrageous thing you could do is just be yourself and tell the truth.
1: Yeah, that's also true.
0: What I if just... you just stood on a street corner and started singing these songs?
1: I don't think anybody would care.
0: But <laughs> you could do something around it. I mean, we'll think, we'll think about this. We can yeah, talk about it. We off can brainstorm. Yeah.
1: But for me, the only thing I can do is just sing my songs and be honest. And I'm not, I'm not going to start trying to pretend that I'm this ridiculous character and do backflips off Capitol Records building. I'm, you know, I'm not going to subscribe to that Mm -hmm. i don't i'm not i don't want to lie to myself and i also don't want to lie to other people i can only give them what i am
0: right i think that's fair i think a good tip that came out of what you just said though is like putting a little bit of space maybe between the end of your creation and the starting of promoting it because then you have some time to think in a different part of your brain yeah
1: and think about what you're going to say about certain songs because some songs are written you don't know what they're about they just write themselves and it takes you a a little while to figure out what they're even about.
0: You'll hear more from Greg Holden in just a minute, but first I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Potion Naturals. So I'm super into toxin free beauty and toxin free everything for that matter, from toothpaste to soap to mascara to lipstick. I really am very diligent about reading my labels, and I want you to be too because. The FDA really does nothing to protect us from unbelievable amounts of toxins that cause all kinds of problems from endocrine disruptors to carcinogens to affecting our fertility. And so I've really been diligent in the past seven years really about completely cleaning out all of my beauty, all of my household products. And really the last thing I went to clean out was my perfume because I grew up collecting perfume and I love it and not only did I love like working to pick a scent that I felt fit my personality for that day like whatever aspect of my personality I wanted to bring out I loved the bottles and I collected them so it was a real bummer when I found out "Mm, that little you know side passion of yours has to just go out the window That was until I found Potion Naturals. And Potion Naturals is the first and only store for discovering luxurious 100% natural fragrances. Potion's also great because it has an incredible founder. Her name is Doma Alton. You will hear from her on this show at some point I interviewed her. And she has an incredible story about leaving Google to pursue her passion of becoming an entrepreneur. And she created Potion because her mom wasn't feeling well and could no longer wear traditional perfumes. So it was created out of a personal pain point in her own life. And maybe what's best about Potion, you can try before you buy. I like to say it's like dating for perfume. So they have a sample program where you can get any five fragrances for $25. And when you get the sample pack, you also get a $25 credit toward any full-size perfume. I got the sweet sampler because I like to smell like candy. And my favorite scent is Pro Vanilla, which is a sophisticated take on your traditional vanilla perfume. It's vanilla all grown up. And there is a special deal just for your creative soul. So for a limited time, you can go to PotionNaturals.com and use the code UNLEASH at checkout for $5 off of any sample pack with free shipping. Again, go to PotionNaturals.com and use code UNLEASH U N L E A S H at checkout for $5 off of any sample pack with free shipping. Now back to Greg Holden. When you're writing, okay, first of all, I'm going to just take you. Cause I asked my dad, I'm like, what would you want to know from a hit songwriter? And he said, he's really interested to hear about your songwriting process. Personally, like mine is always different every time. So I, I'm interested to hear. Like, do you have a method that you take every time you write a song? What's your process like?
1: Not really. I, I, th- I think I have to keep it fresh. I have to do different things all the time because otherwise you get you get bored of the same routine and then the songs end up sounding the same. So I used to just write on acoustic guitar, and I mean, my first album was called "I Don't Believe You," and I wrote that on the corner of a bar in New York. Basically, the the whole thing just drunk <laughs> um but Theme. yeah but um yeah whoops uh but for me now i need to always do different things so i'll sit in here you know with my computer open and i'll pull up some strange noises and throw things together to try and make some sort of track that will inspire something and then the next song might just be on piano the might, the next one might be just me in my car with, with the melody stuck in my head it's always different and i think i have to keep it different because i've been doing it for so long now that if i just sit there with an acoustic guitar I'm like nothing comes out
0: yeah I actually I read that you haven't written a song on an acoustic guitar in two years so for you what's the difference between writing I actually
1: wrote one last night wow so what
0: do you think drew you to that last night after taking a two-year hiatus I don't know from your acoustic baby I don't know really
1: (laughs) it's just you have to wait for it to strike these days like I can't I can't just go clock in at 11 o'clock and start writing music and finish at five it's it's not the way my creative brain works right so i have to just wait and it always comes in different forms
0: it's interesting because have you ever read the war of art by i I
1: just read it again recently actually yeah Yeah. because
0: that's his whole theory is you know treat yourself like a professional quote-unquote have a specific time every day that you write Mm -hmm. but i think it's i don't know i think it's a it's great i I believe in that method i do believe in it i've I've
1: done it and things have come out but i I
0: think you have to know yourself though too and i don't i think as a creative human we're not just like robots you know and it's great when we can be consistent but for example if you're in the middle of a depression and you don't feel inspired do you push through that and try to write anyway how do you like Mm because there's so many people who are battling with any sort of like mental illness or just hard life situations, how do you recommend they get through those moments and reaccess their creativity if they're feeling trapped?
1: Well, again, like you just said, everybody's different. I mean, it would be great if I could be in my depression and start just writing songs all day long. But I also, at this point in my life, I understand that that's not the message I want to put out into the world either. So I don't want to sit there and write depressing songs. I'd rather, if I'm depressed, I'd rather go for a hike or go run or something like that. I just do something good for myself rather than putting really dark shit on mm-hmm. pa- on paper. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to help anybody. That was my first record. And uh, I just, I don't want to put that out in the world. It's not helpful for me anymore to write really depressing songs.
0: Well, your songs, like, you know, we've gone back to so many times, they, they're all optimistic. They're not like sugar-coated.
1: No, they're not like, I mean,
0: yeah, it's not like...
1: They're you not like gummy bears like, like no.
0: floating around musically.
1: But, but I always want to have some sort of positive message in there even if it's amidst chaos. I need it to have something some light at the end of the tunnel needs to be there.
0: So, for example, something beautiful one of your songs. You can bury all your bones, but they're gonna follow you home. What does that mean?
1: It's about pretending that something's not wrong. Mhm. And just lying to yourself. And for me, as a Brit, <laughs> I've been trained to just b- bury my troubles, you know, and not really address any, any issues in my life. And so that, yeah, I guess that line is not completely relevant to the song now that I just think about it. But <laughs> <laughs> um, It's just about just owning a shit. That's, what, that's where it comes well, from. Actually- because in that verse, I think I'm talking about everybody pointing the finger and blaming everybody else. And But ultimately, if you don't deal with your own shit. Then yeah. It's not going to, it's not, it's going to keep following you around.
0: I think it is relevant to the song because I know you're also saying like you could, you know, go down this terrible path, but why not say something beautiful? Why not lift someone up? But I think it is because if you are living in a place of basically inauthenticity because you're not dealing with yourself, then you can't really authentically say something beautiful because everything's fake. Right. So it fits. In my opinion. Okay, I I trust you. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you've talked about your culture a couple times too because I think that that has such a strong bearing on whether or not we approach our creative life or how we approach our creative life. How has your culture that you grew up in affected you as a creative? And if somebody has a culture that's kind of like trapped them, how can they break through? I just did sign language when I asked him that question. (laughs) My
1: culture has helped me. It's been a good mirror for me. Looking back at Britain and the way I was raised, I'm not like that anymore. I'm not I I don't even consider myself through no offense to England or anything, I don't even feel British anymore. I've been in America longer in my adult life than I, I was in England. So he's a
0: Yankee folks. I'm
1: a I'm a I'm a <laughs> honorary Yank at this point. And uh for me my culture's helped me be very um aware of bullshit because in england we don't bullshit uh
0: how do you define bullshit
1: we don't sit there with a big smile on our face if we're feeling sad and you know we don't tell someone they're great if they're not and and i live in los angeles now and that's how this place exists um it's all smoke and mirrors but in where i'm from the north of england it's, you call it out as it is and that's helped me with my songwriting i think i don't i don't beat around the bush and uh but it's also kept me humble because we have this thing in England called tall poppy syndrome where... What's
0: it called? Tall, tall poppy? Tall,
1: tall poppy syndrome. Tall
0: poppy syndrome? Um, cool.
1: Sorry, it's the way I talk. Um, <laughs> no, it's but just it's very when, elegant. it's when someone around you starts to rise, you chop them down and they come back down to your level. And it's not a good thing, but it happens. And so we never let... We never put anybody on a pedestal. We don't let anybody get that high. And here... In America, which I don't think is a bad thing, you're told from birth, be number one, win, go, chase your dreams, be as high as you can, you know. And so it's an interesting contrast. So for me, I think I've found a little bit of a middle ground living here for so long. But it's helped my creativity because I think that I've stayed as humble as I, I mean, I feel like I'm a a humble person, but I'm a lot more confident than I used to be. Mm -hmm. Thanks to America.
0: We did one good thing, Thanks, America. (laughs) You should do some voiceover. That was pretty good. (laughs) So, you know, we talked about the moment after you moved here and you parted ways with your label and you had that real moment of self-doubt. You said that you're still in it. Mm -hmm. So I always think it's interesting. It's like, I think sometimes the universe, when you have those moments, it's testing and be like, you really want this? We're just checking because it's going to be hard. Are you okay with this? sure. And it's that kind of like last test before you go to the next level. Yeah. Or- Sometimes it's the universe telling you, hey, this isn't really for you. I want you to stop and reevaluate your life and go somewhere else. Totally. How can you tell which one the universe is trying to tell you? Oh my
1: God. I don't know, but when you figure it out, (laughs) will you let me know? I will.
0: I'm still working on it too. I think
1: gut instincts, I've trusted my gut a lot in my adult life and it's always led me in the right direction. And when I haven't listened to it and I've, tried to shut it up i have fucked myself in the process you know i have if i don't trust my gut i think i've ended up in situations that i shouldn't be in and so for me i always just use my my animal instincts i guess (laughs) you know just that that initial feeling like is this correct is this what i should be doing and it's always been right my gut's always been right and i actually read a couple of interesting books about that like you read that book blink no it's by malcolm Gladwell. it's actually the book that caused me to move to new york uh it's about those first seconds in a decision Uh, i haven't read it for a long time so i'm not going to quote it or anything but it's it's about like your your mind your uh subconscious already knows the correct answer before you do as a human in your brain it's really interesting actually so i guess that's that's what i trust when i'm when i'm in a dilemma or i'm in a a a, a pinch
0: (laughs) It's a good one. I'm going to read that book. It's good. It's called Blink. We'll post about it so that you can read it too. One thing that I'm also trying to help people and myself do through this is find creativity in the mundane. Because I think if we can find it in the small moments of life, like even one of the things I say is like literally like there's a creative way to pick up dog shit, you know? Because then when we're in those. That's living. Yeah. Yes.
1: Because we Otherwise, what we're sitting on Instagram looking at people doing these outrageous things. I mean, there's always going to be someone who's mega rich doing something obnoxious as hell on the internet, and if you compare yourself to that in life, you're going to be miserable forever. And trust me, I do it. I try and attain it. I've spent a fortune going around the world trying to attain this life that I think is like the cool version of life. But ultimately, if you can't find happiness and and be content in making coffee in the morning or going on a walk in your own town that you live in without dreaming of absolutely insane things, you're never going to be happy. And then when you get to those crazy places, I was just in Chile in Patagonia, like basically being chased by a puma. Ooh. But like, it wasn't like...
0: <laughs> that sounds like a dream. But I wasn't like a like, literal sleep dream. I wasn't in dream. it.
1: I wasn't conscious. I wasn't present. Really? You know, I was thinking about other shit. Just worried about my life or worried about my you know, sadness or my promo for the record or I wasn't even in it. I mean there's a picture on my computer right here. I took that. It's like where I was.
0: That looks like one of the generic that shots like Lord of the Rings. That, yeah, like that you get on your computer of beautiful places to put as your background. I never would have believed you if you told me I you was there, told but I was that.
1: probably worried about something else. You know, and I think that's the problem. If you can't be okay with the mundane and, well, then well you're in trouble.
0: I love that Dr Seuss quote wherever you go, there you are.
1: Oh, yeah. I've never heard that. That's good.
0: It's very good. Yeah. And it's very true. Because we keep going outside of ourselves to look for happiness. But if you don't have it inside, wherever you go, you're not going to find no, it. No, exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. If you can't be content on your own with your own thoughts, it doesn't matter what you do. And I'm, that's what I'm trying to deal with right now. I commend you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a,
0: it's a lifelong process. They, it is. They say uh, new new level, new devil. You know, so you
1: you yeah, right. You've yeah, hit one sure.
0: thing and you've got um, it down and then you have to get to the next level yeah, and transcend. So That's so true. It's great. It's great that you're All continuing these great quotes that process. you're coming out with. Hey. <laughs> call me quote Sally. <laughs> do it. No I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> do you have any tips for young musicians? Anything you wish you'd known when you were starting out? Don't do
1: it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um I don't know because the the world has changed so much. The music industry has changed so much. I would say my only tip that I ever give people is just be true to you because if you if you try something and you don't make it and that whole time you've been pretending to be somebody else, that's really a horrible scenario to be in. At least if you don't succeed and you've been yourself, you can sleep at night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you succeed doing your own thing, that's the best feeling in the world.
0: Don't betray yourself. Don't
1: betray yourself. Don't do it. Rule it's number not worth one. It. And fame isn't worth it. Money isn't worth it. Popularity isn't worth it. If you can't, if you're not being yourself, you're lying to you and everybody around you, and that's not going to ultimately bring you any happiness.
0: So, I think we have a purpose, you know, like our job purpose. Yours is probably music, but then we also have a soul purpose, a thesis statement of our lives. What would you say is your overarching purpose and why?
1: Wow. To do everything that I've ever wanted in my life without hurting anyone
0: and what have you ever wanted in your life?
1: I don't know. I don't know the answer to that.
0: <laughs> I I think well, it's interesting. Can I tell you mine? What? So mine is to bring sight and healing and a voice to those who feel unheard, unseen, and unloved through my voice.
1: That's a good one. You've clearly thought about this.
0: I have. But you know why? Because I studied acting in college, oh, okay. and so when we, it's really I great. I recommend anyone, anyone creative or just like who wants to understand people better, take an acting class. I
1: thought about it actually. You really should, oh, yeah.
0: Because like an improv
1: class or something. Improv
0: is great, but like if you take a scene study class, that's next level. And I've got a great recommendation cool. for you. BGB Studios. Talk about therapy. Really? I mean, I would just like go there and cry for an hour and a half every day. Not every day. Once a week. <laughs> I couldn't do that every day. I'd die. But one thing in acting class that you learn is that every character has something called a super objective, which is basically their thesis of life, which is the filter through which everything goes through and it drives everything that they do. So this was a thought that was put into my head seven years ago. And I've just been thinking about it since then. And only in the past year have I laid that down as my like definitive Mm
1: -hmm. super objective. Maybe I need one of those.
0: You know, I think it's something to meditate on and I think it, it definitely helps your creativity. For sure,
1: I go through my life with a lot of guilt. I don't know why, but I was, I always find that every time I feel like I've succeeded or done something great, that I've caused someone pain. I, I, you can go ask my therapist what's that, what that's about, but um, I'm. That's my goal is to get over that, mm-hmm. so I can live my life
0: and be proud honestly. of yourself, and be proud
1: of myself, and also like bring people joy. I love making people smile. My my favorite time is to, in my life is to be on stage looking at the audience smiling or crying or whatever they're doing uh, that is like pure joy for me
0: can i tell you something i've never had this experience in my life i was doing the prep for you and i couldn't stop crying the whole time i was doing the prep (laughs) in a good way because you let me feel right that you are so naturally emotional and evocative when you sing when you talk when you write Everything let me feel like it was okay to feel everything right. I was feeling. You
1: got to create a comfortable environment for people,
0: and and you should take so much pride in knowing that that's who you are and that's how you come across in the world. That you allow other people to be themselves.
1: I appreciate that. Yeah, I need, I need to hear that right now. <laughs> there's no
0: there's no guilt in that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I can't wait for you wherever you go. Like I just can't wait for you to be there and for the people to feel what you put out.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. It's not easy. No. It's not easy to be vulnerable, especially as a man, especially as a white man. A
1: white man. <laughs> my life is so difficult.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean. You have no idea. I, I really don't. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, okay, so we've talked a lot about little Greg, but I think creativity is directly linked to the inner child. Mm-hmm. And so if little Greg was standing in front of you right now, Five-year-old Greg. Oh, my God. What do you think were he Were
1: you in my therapy? Uh, yeah, I, actually,
0: I, I meant to tell I you. Think you. That's were, where like, I was. Spying. That's why I wanted to have it at 12, so I could <laughs> do it post-therapy. <laughs> Insight. But if five-year-old Greg was in front of you right now, what do you think he would say to you and why?
1: What he would say to me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Man, you're asking the deep questions. I don't know what he would say to me. I really don't know the answer to that. I know what I would say to him.
0: What would you say to him?
1: And that would be... Everything's going to be all right. But I don't know what five-year-old Greg would say to 95-year-old Greg.
0: <laughs> if you had to guess.
1: He would probably say, damn, you look old.
0: He wouldn't.
1: And he would say,
0: He's looking at your accomplishments and seeing all the great oh, things. Oh, if you've he could done. see me. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he can, oh, okay. he can see you. He I thought he can,
1: was like looking into the future. No, no, but I didn't no. not know no. going to happen. He's,
0: so he's standing like, he's like, just. He's just walked into this he's room. He's just walked into this room. He's seeing you. He's seeing oh, this beautiful okay. house you have. You've got this great Ask award on the wall. You've done all these amazing things. Right. You've created this life of creativity. What would he say to you and why, knowing what you've done to take care of him?
1: He'd probably be he'd probably say, how the hell did you make this happen? And I can't wait for that. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Is there anything you want to talk about that we didn't hit?
1: No, we hit a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're amazing.
1: Thanks. So, yeah, that was awesome.
0: Thank you so much for listening and to my guest, Greg Holden. I urge you to download his album on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. It's called World War Me. You can also follow him at Greg Holden on all social platforms. A special thanks to Nicole Poulos at Sideways Media for bringing Greg on the show and for being so supportive. Check out Nicole's company at sideways-media.com. Thanks to Liz Full for composing the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. Thanks to my co-producer, Juliette Weber. Follow her at Bonjour Juliette. Thank you for another great week and for keeping us up on the iTunes charts again. You are the reason this is happening. Thank you. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe rate and review and tell a friend about the show. It really helps us grow and get more creativity out into the world. If you'd like to join the creative community, follow at Unleash Your Inner Creative on Instagram and Facebook and at YouAreInnerCreative on Twitter. You can also email me at UnleashYourInnerCreative at gmail.com. Come back next Tuesday to hear more creative insights. I believe in you and the work you have to put out into the world. And stay tuned to hear a short cover that Liz Full and I did of Greg's song, I'm not your enemy. It's coming up right after this. Have a great week. Talk soon. and to make sense of it all. Everything.